the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome back. I am Seth Liebson. Our phone number is 602-508-0960-602-5080-960. George Orwell, observing how the Stalinists did it, wrote in his novel, Cum How-To Policy and Procedure Manual, known as 1984, quote, every record has been destroyed or falsified, every book rewritten, every picture repainted, every statue and street building renamed, every date altered, and the process is continuing day by day and minute by minute, close quote. What's perhaps most interesting to me is that we started down this road with our politics first, not our culture. Think the changing of our founding date from 1776 to 1619. Then think the iconoclastic effort to tear down statues of our founders and their vindicators like Abraham Lincoln and Frederick Douglass and rename schools named after them and our founders as well. The culture is following the theology of the day, the politics, not the other way around in this case, in these cases, as it usually goes, at least when it comes to literature and entertainment. It took a certain level of vainglory to rewrite the words of the deceased children's author Roald Dahl, but rewrite they did, even replacing his sentences, mentioning things, names, people like Rudyard Kipling, so that they were read to read Jane Austen instead, something Roald Dahl definitively could have written if he wanted to, but did not write. Now, Ian Fleming's 007, James Bond, is getting the book rewritten treatment. Censored, not stirred, one might say. The Telegraph reports, quote, all of the author's thrillers featuring 007 are set to be reissued in April to mark 70 years since Casino Royale, the first book in the series, was published. Ian Fleming Publications Limited, the company that owns the literary rights to the author's work, commissioned a review by sensitivity readers of the classic texts under its control. The Telegraph understands that a disclaimer accompanying the reissued texts will read this way, quote, This book was written at a time when terms and attitudes, which might be considered offensive by modern readers, were commonplace. A number of updates have been made in this edition, while keeping as close as possible to the original text and the period in which it is set, close quote. Interestingly, the rewriting and cleansing is selective to only certain racial sensitivities and references. For example, Odd Job, Ari Goldfinger's Korean henchman, is still referenced disparagingly. But when you look at the liberal left callousness toward Asian students and anti-Asian disparate impacts from Harvard to Thomas Jefferson High School in Virginia, this selective supersensitivity and exquisite double standard conspicuousness to racial discriminations is or should be no surprise. Not that we would be asking for that here or anywhere. We don't like revisionism and we don't like discrimination, even if we are taught by Ibrahim Kendi, as we are, that, quote, the only solution to past discrimination is present discrimination, close quote. Why don't we like that? 
Well, for one, we thought we were taught and adopted the argument of one Thurgood Marshall when he argued to the Supreme Court in Brown versus Education that, quote, distinctions by race are so evil, so arbitrary and so invidious that a state bound to guarantee the equal protection of the laws must not invoke them in any public sphere, close quote. But that is not our modern dispensation, is it? Not anymore. Nonetheless, we knew or should have known this was coming when only three years ago the target for all this was Dr. Seuss. I remember thinking back then that if a delegation from, say, the Darfur Civil Rights Commission traveled to America from Sudan on a fact-fighting trip to see how we handled racism here in America and discovered our efforts were going about the targeting of Dr. Seuss, they'd turn right around and fly back only to report either that America is not a serious country or that the Sudanese don't quite understand distinctions by race in places like Darfur, Dr. Seuss having not stalked them, as his book evidently had in America. One wonders how long we will tolerate the original and first and second and third and further printings of other pieces of literature. I worry just now if the very hungry caterpillar will be mothballed, so to speak, lest it be offensive to those concerned about body shaming. I say that tongue-in-cheek. I nearly half expect it to actually take place. I suppose, too, we knew this would come to James Bond, given its representation of, or his representation of toxic masculinity, or what in an earlier or better time might have just been considered manly or martial virtues. After all, The Telegraph reported last year that the next James Bond movie will feature a more sensitive James Bond character as, quote, Bond will be evolving as men are evolving, close quote. Somewhere, methinks, we need a Fleming-esque William Buckley to stand athwart this evolution and yell stop. Already they did this to the new series and remake of Magnum P.I., a story of war heroes with codes of honor from Sergeant Major Higgins of World War II to the trio of Vietnam veterans that constituted Thomas Magnum and his friends. Now, in the new version, Higgins is a woman. I love what Dana Loesch wrote about the emasculated James Bond. May I quote her at length? Quote, men aren't evolving. Our culture is devolving and trying to make men dumber and weaker in the process. I don't want an insipid, sensitive James Bond. If you want to put a chick in the role, then have the originality to invent a new franchise for one instead of emasculating the old with a repurposed dog's breakfast. I will actually riot over this. She continues, not every actor does the same bond, but there are characteristics that every bond should possess. And being a chick or overly sensitive isn't one. I love Bond, as Ian Fleming wrote him. Not a simpering, eunuch version of a man, but a you-know-what-kicking, martini-drinking, woman-loving, aggressive, fight-the-world-for-good James Bond. James Bond isn't an anachronistic snapshot of man in decline. He's a man at his peak. He has a way out of every situation. He can beat a bad guy to death in the bathroom and still show up to the poker tournament with perfect manners and a crisp tux with a hot woman, oftentimes as deadly as he is, on his arm. There are still enough women on this planet who like their men to have strong senses of good versus evil, chivalrously attend to a woman in their lives with an aggressive yet gallant nature and possess the capability both intellectually and physically to take care of business. Close quote. Of course, Dana is speaking about a time when we could do things and have nice things. 
fight and beat communists and not and not have to apologize for doing so with, or with any kind of anxious propitiations when we did so, as PGO Rourke was so concerned about in 1989 when the Berlin Wall was cashiered. And he read essay after essay in America with titles like, quote, Wither a United Germany and Once America's Adjustments to the New Realities in Europe. And he asked, is that how we wrote about VE Day? It seems whether we are talking history, classic literature, or even martial virtues and standard role modeling. These are the building blocks of a culture, aren't they? And they are all under assault, be it memory-holding or rewriting or regendering. It puts me in mind of what Abraham Lincoln said of the Roger Taney opinion in Dred Scott about Taney's revision of man's place in the firmament of the founder's mind and understanding. If you'll allow me the paraphrase to fit our culture today, our Western culture or civilization. It is assailed and sneered at and construed and hawked at and torn till if its constructors could rise from their graves, they could not at all recognize it. All the powers of earth seem rapidly combining against it. Mammon is after it, ambition follows and philosophy follows, and the theology of the day is fast joining the cry. Our culture and civilization is in a prison house. The moderns have searched it and left no prying instrument with it. One after another, they have closed the heavy iron doors upon it, and now they have it, as it were, bolted in with a lock of a hundred keys, which can never be unlocked without the concurrence of every key. The keys in the hands of a hundred different men, and they scattered to a hundred different and distant places, and they stand musing as to what invention in all the dominions of mind and matter can be produced to make the impossibility of our culture's escape more complete than it is. Confusion regarding our cultural building blocks abounds, including confusion about a proper understanding of everything from our history to our politics to our culture and the messages we are imparting to our young boys and girls about our country, our culture, and their proper role in it. Our society is moving forward so rapidly that it has forgotten much good from the past. And where it isn't forgetting fast enough, we just help it along by rewriting it. Leave James Bond alone. Leave Dr. Seuss alone. Leave Roald Dahl alone. We don't, at the end of the day, need fewer John Waynes and Jimmy Stewart's and Tom Donovan's and Rance Stoddard's. We need more of them. If you want to know why we have such a hard time distinguishing between heroes and villains these days, I think this all and what we are doing is really a very big part of the answer. I'm Seth Leibson, 602-508-0960. We will be right back. Did you notice in the State of the Union speech, Joe Biden doubled down on his spending plans, adding even more to the federal deficit? And that doesn't bode well for the value of your money. Joe Biden's disconnected view of the economy means there will be no meaningful steps taken to lessen inflation and lower interest rates. Your cash reserves and investments will be worth less, which is why I recommend calling the veteran-owned Midas Gold Group to look into safeguarding your money with the stability of gold with the only company, Seb Gorka. I and thousands of you already know the Midas Gold Group. Gold traditionally holds its value when economies fail, guarding against the destruction of inflation and the ruin of a recession. 
Don't let Biden's misguided economy wipe you out. Talk with the good folks at Midas Gold Group. Check them out online at MidasGoldGroup.com. That's MidasGoldGroup.com. Or better yet, give them a call at 480-360-3000. 480-360-3000. You know, it dawns on me that when you think about all the attacks on Ron DeSantis and uh, his education reforms in Florida, the attacks that have obviously have been uh, the subject of a lot of entertainment for the ladies on The View, a lot of piffle from the ladies on The View, uh, from Karen Jean-Pierre, who's weighed in on it, from Kamala Harris. The united theme of them all is that even Gavin Newsom got in the act, is that Florida is a state of censorship because of Ron DeSantis's actions, that he is engaging in censorship. He doesn't want students to learn. He doesn't want students to learn African-American history and all that kind of nonsense when it is they who are the actual censors, whether it's the Twitter files or whether it's the Global Disinformation Index or whether it's the Bureau of Disinformation or whether it's exactly what I was talking about in my monologue, the bowdlerization and rewriting of all these classic texts and classic novels and classic works, even including children's works, uh, who's, who, really, who really are the censors here? Who, who really, it, it's, it's going to be a very short distance between now and the rewriting of Shakespeare. Shakespeare's in the public domain. Any, anyone can rewrite him, and I bet you he's next. What will that say for the English language? What will it say for the ongoing peril of Western civilization once we do that. We've already stopped pretty much teaching him in English majors across the country at our colleges and universities. We'll now just simply rewrite him. And maybe once he's rewritten, he'll be taught again because he will be uh, having said and fed to have been saying the kinds of things the left and the Baudelaireizers would rather he be saying and rather he be writing, even though he never wrote it or never said it. They're the ones. And, you know, this very liberal and enlightened government as well, they're on the chopping block too. How much throughout the COVID experience did people say things like, well, according to the study at Johns Hopkins, how, how, how elevated was Johns Hopkins during uh, the COVID uh, mitigation, lockdown, shutdown, masking, vaccination efforts? A lot. Well, Johns Hopkins, it's the gold standard. Well, today, a professor of medicine and public health at Johns Hopkins University, Marty McCary, MD, MPH, Masters in Public Health, testified to the select subcommittee on the coronavirus pandemic. Will you allow me to play you just a little bit of his testimony from today? It should be to you, at least, and to everyone else, haunting. It likely will be memory hold. The greatest perpetrator of misinformation during the pandemic has been the United States government. Misinformation that COVID was spread through surface transmission, that vaccinated immunity was far greater than natural immunity, that masks were effective. Now we have the definitive Cochrane review. What do you do with that review? Cochrane is the most authoritative evidence body in all of medicine and has been for decades. Do you just ignore it, not talk about it? That myocarditis was more common after the infection than the vaccine. Not true. It's four to 28 times more common 
after the the vaccine, that young people benefit from a booster, misinformation. Our two top experts on vaccines quit the FDA in protest over this particular issue, pushing boosters in young, healthy people. The data was never there. That's why the CDC never disclosed hospitalization rates among boosted Americans under age 50. The vaccine mandates would increase vaccination rates. The George Mason University study shows it didn't. It did one thing. It created never-vaxxers who are now not getting the childhood vaccines they need to get. Over and over again, we've seen something that goes far beyond using your best judgment with the information at hand. We've seen something which is unforgivable, and that is the weaponization of medical research itself. The CDC putting out their own shoddy studies, like their own study on natural immunity, looking at one state for two months, when they had data for years on all 50 states. Why did they only report that one sliver of data? Why did they salami slice the giant database? Because it gave them the result they wanted. Same with masking study. Well, the data has now caught up in giant systematic reviews and the public health officials were intellectually dishonest. They lied to the American people. Thank you. I remember when we used to be against the government lying to the American people. Dave is in Phoenix. Hello, Dave. Hi, Seth. Uh, good opening monologue, as usual, stimulating uh, stimulating radio that you can't get anywhere else. Oh, you're I very really kind. Thank you. That's very nice uh, of you. I... I I think that we're all in a giant ACE experiment. Everybody knows about the Milgram experiment. Yeah, right. The ACE experiment was the one where they had they would have a room full of 10 people, one of which was the experimental subject, mm-hmm. and the others were all controlled. Mm-hmm. And they would present them with something clearly false, and they would say, who agrees with this? And <laughs> they studied if all the nine people held up their hand, how often the one person would stand their ground. Right. And uh, that's where we are with the culture. Um, but here's the key, and this is why I called in. Plural ignorance is a version that, of that, right? This notion of plural ignorance, right? The Kitty Genovese right. Uh, effect, right? Right. So if one person would stand up and for what was obviously true, then 90% of the experimental subjects would be able to stand their ground. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I think that's our responsibility yes, nice, nice. in a society is to never go along with this, nice. to not believe it. If someone says something that's nonsense, you don't have to be rude. You can just say no. Nice. We just don't have to buy into this. And if one person has the courage to stand up and say, fire me, I'm not taking that injection because I don't want it, then that's... The pe- there are other people listening. That's right. There are other people watching. That's and right. you giving them your stance, one right. person's stance, gives the other people the courage. Dave, I can't tell you how great that is. That point is so important, which is why I am such a fan of, um, you know, people standing on corners around election time holding signs, you know, for our team, people on our team. It's good for people to see they're not alone. It's good for people to know they're not alone. It's good for people to know that while the culture culture is telling you you're crazy and wrong, that there are people out there who are agreeing with you that you are not, that they are the crazy ones and they are the wrong ones, and that in some cases, maybe in too many cases, maybe even in the majority of cases, that the inmates have taken over the asylum and written all the rules 
of what should be proper thinking and mental health. Dave, I have to take a break. You're welcome to stay. I'm going to do a quick culture economy update if you have more. Love to hear more from you. Appreciate your comments either way. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Liebson Show. John Dabrowski is the president and founder of Grand Canyon Planning Associates. His website, great way to get in touch with him. It's also a fun website, grandcanyonplanning.com. And he has his own radio show here every Saturday morning at 7 a.m., The Word on Wealth. What's the good word today, John? How are you? I'm doing fantastic. Thank you, Seth. You know, one thing we said, just because I, I kind of I trampled on it yesterday and uh Maybe it is a question others have as well. That that kind of end comment you make, uh, and you have memorized so well and do it so speedy Gonzalez Al McCoy like. Uh, tell us what that is. Uh, it, it it would be good to know. <laughs> so our company, Grand Canyon Planning uh, Associates, is my company, and we do estate and financial planning here. But we also have a company called uh, Creative One Securities, and that is who I use for my securities. Uh, clearing firm, mm-hmm. and uh, per- we clear through Pershing, a company. Mm-hmm. And so Creative One Securities and Grand Canyon Planning are two separate companies. Okay. And they, even though I am involved in both of them, I they are not together as okay. one. Okay. So basically it's a disclaimer or disclosure stating that uh, those two companies are uh, not one and the same. Mm-hmm. And it's, again, just part of the formality of uh, complete uh, disclosure for anyone out there that we or uh, marketing to or talking to that uh, there's no misunderstanding. And there's this, quick, there's this quick thing you say, FINRA and SIPC. Right. So FINRA is uh, is an organization, the financial regulatory organization that um, regulates investment advisors. Okay. And SIPC is an insurance uh, for, uh, for securities. Okay. So, it's important that uh, we are full disclosure on all of these things, and that's why every time I'm on any type of uh, – you know, communication in any form or another, whether it's in writing or uh, voice over over the air like this. If it was television, it'd be the same. Uh, that I have to disclose all of that. Oh, fantastic! Yeah. Thank you for doing that. I you appreciate bet. it. <laughs> uh, let me move on uh, yeah. to an, a, a truly cultural and economic interesting phenomenon. Um, Wall Street Journal piece today: America is trying to elect- electrify. <laughs> The problem is there aren't enough electricians. (laughs) This has been a problem long time coming. Something like, if I remember the story right, 50 and 70 are the ages of of the bulk of union electricians – uh, and uh, they are, uh, fi- and they and they are close to retirement. Thirty percent of the union yeah. electricians yeah. are ready to retire. Yeah. Now, out here, we don't necessarily. I mean, we do have union electricians out here as well, but it's not the norm in in Arizona, unless you know. It's no, a we're a right to work state, but in yeah. places like California, yeah. where the craze yeah. is, is the back problem. East. Yeah, yeah, or back east, yeah. right? Yeah. And, um, you know, an interesting thing is about 700,000, they said, electricians across the country. And they're, um, you know, hoping that the growth rate is going to be about 7% over the next decade. That's not many. No. When you're thinking about 30% of uh, the, the workers are already at that stage for retirement. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're going to be in a real bind here moving forward if, indeed, this electrification of America is really going to be front and center moving forward it is with the current administration and i'm not saying it's a bad thing that we right. want to you know have clean energy and so forth but we don't want to put ourselves in a position to where we're going to be uh, putting this already fragile economy under additional stress and strain 
uh, when we have alternatives right now that can we can slide, we can ease into this rather than than forcing the you know the square peg into the round hole type scenario, or is it the round peg into the square hole? I don't know. But either I think it's a square, isn't it, Seth? Into square the peg, round hole. Yeah, yeah, I think so. I think so too. <laughs> well, I mean, it's a, it is a real it is a real looming problem because some of these electricians, as the story points out, are booked six months yes. out. Yeah, and the public policy is far ahead of that, especially when you are mandating many of these changes, as you see in right. California. Mm-hmm. Adam Carolla has been talking a lot about this in California. Um, all these snap of the finger um, changes. Uh, but no ability to actually do anything about them because you don't have the technology or the manpower to fulfill that That's which right. you are putting an end to. Yeah, yeah. Replace that which you are putting an end to. Yeah. Exactly right. And so this is this is really going to be something for the country that's going to be battling. This is a worldwide thing, too. So of course it is. This is not just local. Yes, you know, but we is. have exacerbated it to a fairly well here. Yes. Engineering and technology-related fields are down in undergraduate mm-hmm. enrollment uh, this is true of protective services. This is true of mechanic and repair technologies. This is true of precision production. Yeah. We just kind of gave up on that and and sneered our noses down at training people in those things, whether it's in high school or whether it's in junior colleges. Well, and we know, don't have the workforce. You know the the again, expertise. They've got uh, you know you can get a college degree mm-hmm. and it's expensive. Yeah. Uh, or you could take a trade. Yeah. And uh, you know a trade like this pays very well. That's and right. With what's happening and where the country's moving, you may be very, very surprised. Uh, you might be able to own your own business in a very short period of time if you learn this industry very well. Yep, absolutely right. And when you do, talk to you, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. You bet. Yep. All right, Securities and Advisory Services offered through Creative One Securities LLC, a member of Henry and Sippigan, an investment advisor, Grand Canyon Planning Associates LLC, and Creative One Securities LLC, not affiliated. Thank just, you, Seth. Just as we discussed. Yes, Nicely done. Thank All you, John. Right. I'm Bye-bye. Seth Leibson, 602-508-0960. Be right back. Does that count as classic rock? We've been having a big roiling debate in the office here about what constitutes classic rock. You can imagine I'm mostly in the dissent in the majority opinions that seem to pass for uh, (laughs) ex-cathedra pronouncements and (coughs) majoritarian opinions from the Supreme Court here that exists at the uh, 960 offices. I played earlier for you uh, some of uh, Professor Marty McCary's testimony to Congress today on the greatest source of misinformation during the COVID pandemic being the United States government. And yesterday I was talking about, you know, how interesting it is, at least to me, that three three major stories over the last two weeks, uh, one on masks, uh, one on natural um, immunity, and uh, one on masks, one on natural immunity, and of course the source of the uh, the source of the virus itself, the lab leak theory. How these have come out uh, over the past couple of weeks um, with such strong force, and how it seems to me a little bit interesting the coincidence relative to these things that it was only two months ago Anthony Fauci resigned his office and left government service. Put on Twitter and I asked, I think a serious journalist should ask, what did Anthony Fauci know about all this coming and when did he know it? Perhaps he didn't want to be around a government point person when these things were going to come out from the kinds of journals 
that people like him say they respect and that we should respect. Marty McCary, in that audio I played, identified a few things that the government lied to us about. He has a attendant column over at the New York Post, 10 of the greatest misleading statements that Americans were fed from the U.S. government. And um, I'll give them to you real quick. Ten, uh, natural immunity offers little protection compared to vaccinated immunity. Well, the new Lancet study looked at 65 major studies in 19 countries and found exactly the opposite. Misinformation piece number two, masks prevent COVID transmission. Cochrane reviews are considered the most authoritative and independent assessment of the evidence in medicine. As one published last month by a highly respected Oxford research team found that masks had no significant impact on COVID transmission. CDC Director Dr. Rochelle Walensky says it will not change CDC guidance. Misinformation piece number three, school closures reduce COVID transmission. The CDC ignored the European experience of keeping schools open, most without mask mandates, where transmission rates were no difference, especially evidenced by the studies coming out of Spain and Sweden. Misinformation piece number four, myocarditis from the vaccine is less common than from the infection. Not true. We know that myocarditis is 6 to 28 times more common after the COVID vaccine than after infection. Misinformation piece number five, young people benefit from a vaccine booster. McCary writes, boosters reduce hospitalizations in older, high-risk Americans, but the evidence was never there that they lowered anything in the young or healthy people. Misinformation number six, vaccine mandates increased vaccination rates. Mandate was based on the theory that vaccine reduced transmission rates. But after the broad recognition that vaccination did not reduce transmission, the mandates persisted and still to this day. But as a recent study from George Mason University details how vaccine mandates in nine major U.S. cities, nine major U.S. cities had zero impact on vaccination rates. They also had no impact on COVID transmission rates. He made an interesting point in his testimony today. What we did with vaccinations and the lies we told about them did have an effect. It has turned a lot of people off other vaccinations, particularly for their young, particularly which should not have fallen into the category of doubt, but that thanks to the government, it has cast a wide net of doubt in a lot of people's minds about all kinds of vaccinations. Of course, misinformation item number seven is COVID originated from the Wuhan lab being a conspiracy theory. Enough has been said about that over the last 48 hours. I don't need to explain. Myth number eight, it was important to get the second vaccine dose three or four weeks after the first dose. He goes into why that was not true. Misinformation number nine, data on the bivalent bivalent vaccine is crystal clear. Well, we have a lot of research and studies showing it is not. Misinformation number 10, one in five people get long COVID. Centers for Disease Control and Prevention claims 20% of COVID infections can result in long COVID. But a UK study found that only 3% of COVID patients had residual symptoms lasting 12 weeks. What explains the disparity? It's often normal to experience mild fatigue or weakness for weeks after being sick and inactive and not eating well. Calling these cases long COVID is the medicalization 
of what you would call ordinary life. What's most amazing about all the misinformation conveyed by CDC and public health officials is, the, is that there have been no ap- apologies for holding on to their recommendations for so long after the data became apparent that they were just simply dead wrong. Public health officials said you must when the correct answer should have been we're not sure. Early on, in the absence of good data, public health officials chose a path of stern paternalism. Today they are in denial of a mountain of strong studies showing they were wrong. It's interesting to me how fast people fell for it and how fast and how so many people complied with it and how fast so many people not only complied with it but shamed others for not going along to get along. Amazing. We're going to have John Tierney on uh, from City Journal. He used to be a science uh, columnist at the New York Times. He used to write at Discovery, an editor at Discovery Magazine, comes with great scientific credentials. We're going to talk to him in the next hour about some of this. But the amazing thing, too, was the weaponization of love of country, not just love of fellow man, but a test of patriotism. When Joe Biden said it's your patriotic duty to wear a mask? Patriotic duty to do that which we were saying other societies up until COVID should not do because it was dehumanizing. So if you follow the logic to do the dehumanizing thing based on no medical certainty whatsoever and indeed a great deal of certain medical doubt about their efficacy, to dehumanize in light of all that was the patriotic duty. How do you forgive that? How do you forgive that? How do you grant amnesty to those who aped that line and shamed their fellow Americans and lorded it over them? How do you how do you forgive that? Will there be no humility? No, there won't be. I don't suspect. And what does that say about the leadership you have right now? For all the arrogance we were told came from the previous president of the United States. I can't think of anything less humble and with less humility than what we've seen here with this team. Why refi 34 and they can put you in touch with any number of the many satisfied clients and customers of theirs in the Phoenix area who have been happily investing with them and getting great returns. They'd also like me to ask you how your IRA is doing, and if you would like your IRA to be earning strong fixed interest rates and not be dependent on the stock market or the Fed. Did you know you can invest with Y-Refi through an IRA or other qualified funds? And you can keep your investment, including the high fixed interest rates you earn, tax-deferred. That's right. Your money can stay in your IRA, and you don't have to pay taxes on the income you earn. InvestYRefi.com is their website, InvestYRefi.com, or 888-YREFI-34. It's another little piece of misinformation uh, apologetics that needs to be addressed here. Our friends at Issues and Insights point it out, and it comes right out of Joe Biden's own mouth. Uh, When they reported over at Issues and Insights a poll about the public's concerns regarding Joe Biden's mental health, Google labeled it dangerous and derogatory, a category which includes content that, quote, incites hatred against, promotes discrimination of, or disparages an individual or group on the basis of their race, ethnic origin, ethnic origin, religion, or disability, or age, close quote. As punishment, Google's advertising network wouldn't show ads on the 
and I, or T-I-P-P, pages. But in an interview with ABC News this weekend, Biden said directly, quote, it's legitimate for people to raise issues about my age. It's totally legitimate to do that. And the only thing I can say is watch me, close quote. Presumably, Biden wasn't encouraging viewers to watch him stumble while climbing the stairs to Air Force One or clips of him reaching out to shake hands with thin air or appearing to lose his bearings on the White House lawn or the garbled gibberish he often utters or the countless other examples of his physical and mental decline, including statements such as half of the women on my cabinet are women. But if Biden now admits concern about his age is a legitimate issue of discussion, why are articles bringing it up being attacked as dangerous disinformation? Meanwhile, the actual media disinformation goes unpunished. Think about that. Next time someone says it's inappropriate for you to raise those issues about his age, just quote him. Just quote him and what he said on ABC News. It's legitimate for people to raise issues about my age. Maybe he didn't know what he was saying. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.